the Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. So, not too long ago, we watched this three-part series on Netflix. That Arnold Schwarzenegger had done. Get on the Netflix, sorry. I couldn't. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> it went terrible. It took me forever to watch it. I knew it was going to be good. I just, I was dragging butt trying to load it up. I don't know what the deal was, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was the three fantastic. parts. The first part was about his- what was Movies. It? Movies, yeah. First part was movies. No, which wait, was, wait, wait, wait. No, it wasn't. I'm an idiot. It was his strength training. That's right. The first yeah. part was strength training. Yeah. yeah. I think the, th the theme that went through them all is that guy was driven. Yeah. Like, he yeah. didn't do anything. If you watch that, you feel lazy as shit. And he, he kind of tied it back to, he said his, his dad ingrained it into him, be useful. Yeah. I don't know how that got him to get big muscles, <laughs> but it really seemed to work for him. Definitely when he switched to movies. Get to the chopper! And then the third part was about his political career. Which made me think, I, I thought for a couple of minutes that it was going to end with, and that's why I'm running for president in 2024. <laughs> yeah, but I guess legally he can't, right? I don't know. Yeah, because I guess he wasn't born here. That's how it works, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Although mm. anything could be possible. You never know. But no, excellent, excellent film. He in identifies as an American, so. Can't. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Love him or hate him, you have to respect his drive. But a couple characters in the film that popped up, Lou Ferrigno, of course. Anybody want peanut? He <laughs> was that guy from, oh, why can't I think of the name of that movie? The Princess was, Bride. That's yeah, it. And he was the Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. He was Andre the Giant. So that's somebody he trained with. And then also this guy named Mike Menser, who was hugely influential in the bodybuilding world. And that's kind of what we're going to focus on today is Mike Menser's workout technique. And those that aren't familiar, basically he would do four 30-minute workouts a week, and that was it. And he was one of the foremost, most prolific bodybuilders of all time, coached hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, had a physique that looked like Mr. Universe kind of physique. Yeah, yeah. And these other guys are spending two, three, four hours a day in the gym. He's just doing 30 minutes four times a week, and it's working. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about that and, and pick this apart. Or actually, Joe thought this would be fun. And yeah. He's, and he's I was, right. I think it was because I was thinking, I don't got time to work out that much. <laughs> <laughs> you saw a YouTube video. I saw it four, time, four times a week, and I was like, oh, that sounds great. Does that work? It absolutely can. Now, a couple disclaimers about this approach. It is important to remember that Mike Menser, as was legal at the time, was taking small amounts of steroids. And he started when he was 12. 12 years old. Right. Yeah. I was still picking my nose at 12. I was not lifting weights. I was doing it when he was young too. Now Arnold. Um, but if, if you have no experience with exercise, it's a terrible idea to jump into Mike Menser's. Not approach. a beginner's program. Not a beginner's program. And we'll kind of get into that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll pick it all apart. Why it's bad. But yeah. So we have about 12 points here. We'll, we'll go over the point and then we'll give our feedback like there's yeah. two guys up in the box on the uh, Muppets. Yeah. What are their names? <laughs> I never <laughs> remember. But the two grumpy guys. Yeah. Did you see that? Yes. The frog is certainly taking a beating on this show. Yeah, it's hard to feel sorry for him. We take a beating every show. <laughs> and they just crack jokes and stuff. Yeah. But what I saw in the YouTube video that I got me interested in the topic was the idea of getting quickly to effective reps, reps that actually help you grow muscle, and getting 
and not doing so many junk reps. Yeah. And so the way that the video described it that I that I watched that kind of made me bring this topic up was, you know, a lot of us, we go to the gym and we're doing like, say we're doing 10 to 12 reps and we might do three sets. Most of those, like the video said, 80, 90% of those are junk reps. In other words, they're not helping us grow muscle. Right. They're still having good health effects for us for sure. But we're talking about specifically putting on growth. mass. Growth, 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 mass. Gains. Gains, bro. <laughs> and so it's all about, this guy's technique is all about basically trying to not do any junk ones. Yeah, and, and just, just get do, straight into productive reps. Just get straight into yeah. it, which is way different than the way I work out. Yeah, because once you start feeling fatigue, that's when you're finally starting to, to do some change and not just maintain what you have. So I've always trained to what I call good form failure, not quite to the bone-crushing muscle failure that Mike Menser's talking about, but, but my yeah. niche hasn't been mass-building it's been staying healthy, staying in the gym as long as possible. Do you think it's possible to to still get to muscle failure and maintain good form? Uh, as long as you quit on the last rep where you have perfect form, I think so. So I have to imagine that this guy that started this, having started at 12, had mastered form pretty early on. I would think so. And so 30, 40 years into training, when he goes and throws on the super heavy weights, he's probably starting and ending with good form. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he was training with Arnold and all these guys and right. at Venice Beach, Muscle so Beach. He's not a guy that just waltzed into Planet Fitness for the <laughs> first like, time. Give me the heaviest weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he I watched the YouTube video. Stand back. <laughs> <laughs> so he primarily stays in the six to eight rep range, which is kind of that mid-heavy range. You know, for general fitness, typically 10 to 12 is more common, but six to eight, you're getting a little bit heavier. It's not like world strongman competitions where you're doing one to five reps. It's it's a little bit more than that. But let's just kind of pick this apart. So he called it the heavy-duty training system, which is rooted in the principles of high-intensity training, HIT training, as you've heard, but different than high-intensity interval training. Heavy-duty. Yeah, so this isn't as cardio-based, although it will have a cardiac effect for sure. Yeah. I mean, the core idea was maximal muscle growth being stimulated by brief, intense bouts of exercise to the point of muscle failure. Right. Now, now most people, when they get to 12 or, or the end of their set, they could struggle through probably three or four more reps, but we typically don't. They go, okay, I'm starting to feel it. That's it. And they end their set. That's not what Mike Menzer's doing. He's using enough weight and enough load that he's having to fight tooth and nail. And it's taking, it might take him 15, 20 seconds to complete one rep as he gets towards the end of that six to eight. Yeah, I saw set. a couple of clips. He was like doing shoulder raises, which are my one of my least favorite. And it was taking him forever. Yeah. Get, yeah. I mean, he was on a machine. It wasn't like he was using like crazy weight. Yeah. But still, like he was fighting. Yeah, I mean, you're shaking, you're struggling, you're fighting, fighting, fighting. But again, maintaining that perfect form throughout is very, very important and not cheating and not compensating. Right. Now, for the average Joe, they don't have that tolerance to pain and that tolerance to, to that type of fatigue. And typically something would break down or compensate. But when you have years and years and years under your belt of yeah. perf perfect form repetitions. And I think I think it was a mindset thing, too. He yeah. seemed very clear what his goal was. He wanted to put on. He didn't want to spend six hours a day in the gym. He yeah. wanted to look like it, but he didn't want to. Yeah. And so for him, I imagine the trade-off was, yeah, this half an hour is kind of real suck, but yeah. then I'm going to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So the so, second thing is the philosophy of minimalism. So, so focusing on doing quality over quantity. There you go. 
There are, especially when we got earbuds in, or if you're at a commercial gym and there's other people around distracting, you're just kind of cruising through the first two-thirds of every set. Right. There's no real sincere work going on. But from the get-go, the very first rep, you're struggling. Man. It's a very different mentality. Yeah. Because there's, I think that's what most people think the gym is. Yeah. Like the last two are hard. Yeah. Of the sets. Like, you'll do three sets, and the last two of the last set are the ones that are hard. Yeah, so if that's the way you're training, you're probably not going to see significant change. Not to the degree that my mentors approach it. But that way of training is still good for your heart, good for your muscles, good for your bones. Like, it's good for you. Strength training is good for you. Absolutely. This guy just had a, he was a a radical departure from what everybody else was doing. Absolutely. So he would train to the point of absolute muscle failure to where the muscle physically could not continue. Even after, you know, mind over matter, even once that's exhausted and then finally just, that's it. They can't do another rep. And what this does is the longer you struggle against something as you're trying to move it, you can recruit more and more and more muscle fiber as you struggle, struggle, struggle. And the more it tries to recruit, the stronger, the more breakdown, the more tear that happens. So during recovery that's where you see the benefit. So remember when you're working out, you are breaking down muscle tissue. You are not building muscle in the gym. You are building muscle after the gym if you're properly recovering. And that was part of his philosophy of only 30 minutes, four times a week. So most of his time is spent recovering. And I do think a lot of people overtrain and end up uh, inhibiting their gains, thinking that they're working harder to, to, to get there faster, but, but that's not necessarily the case, especially using this method. Yeah, and I think the people that would be in support of this from a from a sustainability standpoint would say that overtraining can impede muscle growth but but leads to injuries. Right. But I think there's a flip side to that with training crazily. Yeah. And yeah. I mean crazily, the heavy duty yeah. is that if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, the more weight you use, I think you're I increasing mean, your odds of getting injured. Yeah, think about a deadlift. Too. You know, one one rep with bad form with four hundred pounds on the bar. A good tweak. You can slip a disc and do all kinds of stuff. But if you're an absolute professional, you know what you're doing, you've got years under your belt, then this could be a good idea. So four times a week means he was at least three days of the week not lifting at all. Right. And then for 23.5 of the 24 hours, not doing anything (laughs) on the other days. Which is pretty wild. Now, his point is overtraining can impede muscle growth and lead to injury, as we just talked about, because you're breaking down in the gym. I like that point, right? That that muscles grow outside the gym during recovery. Exactly. I mean, you just said it earlier, but yeah. I think that's... And then proper protein, proper hydration. People ask me all the time. Sleep. You know, yeah, sleep. Exactly. That's where your anabolic growing hormones are is when you're sleeping. So if your sleep's screwed up and you're doing everything else right, I think it'd be pretty tough to grow muscle. So I'm sure he was really focused in and owned in on his sleep and how that was going. He's probably not out until two in the morning drinking. So he's probably in bed nine, 10 o'clock at the latest, making sure he gets at least eight to 10 hours, which is very... Very popular in the news was Tom Brady's routine and how he was able to stay in the game so long at such a high level. But he was crazy about his sleep schedule, 10 to 11 hours, which I have a one-year-old now. That's never happened. <laughs> he didn't have a one-year-old and he was doing 10 to 11 hours. Yeah. So next point is science of overcompensation. So after intense training, the body not only repairs damaged muscle fibers, but also builds them larger to handle future stress. So we just talked about the breakdown in the gym. That signals growth hormone to rebuild that area stronger. And another thing to point out is it's during the stretch portion, not the lifting portion, but that stretch portion is you control the weight back to the starting position where most of that tear and breakdown happens. 
So Mike Mentzer's taking his time on that stretch, that eccentric portion of the lift, which we did a whole episode on yeah. eccentrics. I like. I think his mentality had to just be so different. It wasn't like when people were like, "How many reps you can do?" He's like, "I don't care about that." Yeah. How many sets? I don't care about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's not what I'm doing in here. Yeah. Now the next point: energy systems and glycogen. So high intensity training depletes muscle glycogen rapidly. So muscle glycogen is basically sugar stored in the cell. It's what the muscles, the form of sugar muscles use to activate and get work done. That's why you should always eat a Snickers before you work out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this episode sponsored okay. by Snickers. Uh, uh, not, the same, not the same glycogen? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is especially beneficial for those with busy schedules, allowing for consistency, which is key for long-term muscle growth. If you talk to the normal average person and they have a goal, and their goal is, hey, I want to look bigger. I want to get some gains. <laughs> People don't, we don't have an infinite threshold of willpower, right? So if you talk to that person and you're like, hey, all right, here's what it's going to take. You're going to be in the gym three hours a day, six days a week, and you're going to, you're going to get there in yeah. a couple of years. <laughs> People are like, you know what? I'm, I look fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm going to Chipotle. It doesn't feel very sustainable. Yeah. Whereas four times a week, half an hour a day, that seems pretty sustainable. Yeah. I remember I was listening to a podcast and Jennifer Gardner was on there. She's the lady that's in Alias. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on with Hollywood right now. It seems like when they're 70, they look like they're 25. And Jennifer Gardner is one of these people. Plastic surgery? I don't Botox? Know. <laughs> I don't think so. Not, I don't think in her case. But yeah. anyway, she was talking about Alias and how the training schedule was so crazy. And she used to have to train for hours and hours to get in shape when she was doing that TV show where yeah. she was a spy and she was doing all the fight scenes. And she said, I don't know why it stuck with me the way that it did. But I remember I had a trainer and he told me, you can always do a half an hour. And nah. that just stuck with me. Nah, nah. If you're like, oh, I've got a busy day, you can always do a half an hour. Nah. And I think that's a lot more attainable for people. You can always do three, three hours. hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you got to remember these guys in that scene, like that was their job. Yeah. Like they didn't also have other jobs that they went to. Well, maybe they did. I don't know. But certainly it was a large commitment. Yeah. All right. So next point is reduced risk of injury. So again, this is if you know what you're doing when you have that base and you have perfect form. But less time in the gym does mean fewer opportunities for injury. And, and again, I, these guys were probably training with people that were eyeballing them the whole time and not letting them get away with stuff. You have to imagine if you worked out with Arnold, he's not like, ah, your form's not great, but you keep going. You know? <laughs> I just don't, I don't see him saying that. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it now. I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> I got a great Austrian accent. <laughs> and then the next is training to failure with proper form is safer than long hours of repetitive strain on the joints. I think that's a good point because most injuries are repetitive use injuries. When you so think they're about joint injuries more so than... Typically, or tendonitis at different points from repetitive patterns. I mean, think carpal tunnel, think rotator cuff issues. It's all from repetitive either use or stagnation into certain periods. So I do think there's a, a huge, I think that is a very good point that, that the less hours of repetitive strain, then the better the joints tendons probably can be. But also if it's proper repetitive strain, right. it strengthens those areas. And I don't know what he meant by recovery. I'm sure he just wasn't eating protein and sleeping. I'm sure there were other things. I don't know if they were ice bathing back then or or all the different Probably massages so. and things you could, like sports medicine type of approaches. Steroid injections. Steroid injections. <laughs> Which was part of it. But yeah, so I do think that's a fair point to within certain boundaries. 
Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? You wouldn't cook without a recipe. So why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science-based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook, read the testimonials, and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one nutrition coaching, one-on-one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. So next is individualization. So he emphasized that it was really important to tailor the program to individual needs which meant not everybody was doing the same exercises or the right. same way. Do you think he took into account people's, you know, range of motion, their joint mobility, things like that? Like this exercise, no good for you, but you should do this one instead kind of stuff. Possibly. I don't know enough was about sports science. Was he a trainer? Like, why is this, well, he why did is this train saying? People. Okay, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did take a lot of people under his wing and, and, work, and then he would do talks and all kinds of stuff. Um, he's got some uh, famous audio uh, recordings. Used to have to buy it like on a multiple tape set. Now it's on like, uh, actually I had an old client give me a, a CD version. It was like eight CDs or something, hmm. hard, hard copy CDs. Um, but I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, people's bodies are different. Our physiologies are different. Our yeah. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. So at least he was looking at individualization. This is everyone's recovery, recovery ability and tolerance to intensity varies. So it's, Crucial to listen to one's body. I can't tell you the number of times I've said, listen to your body, listen to your body, listen to your body. So if any joint is giving you feedback that, hey, this doesn't feel right, you yeah. should stop immediately. So do you think Mike Metzer, if he's getting ready to go work out and he still feels it, that he's like, nope, need more rest? Maybe so. And then he puts off. Well, maybe not just feels it, but but if he feels like there's a joint issue, if something's aggravating the low back in a way yeah. it's not supposed to. I think that's more of what he's talking about because you want to feel that intensity and burn. I wonder if you use rest pause technique. I haven't researched it enough to, to see. I would imagine you'd have to at that intensity level. Yeah, I've talked before about like a long-term rest and I wonder if he did any of that. You know, you hear like the marathon runners that take six months off kind of thing to nah. let their bodies fully recover from the repetitive motions of whatever sport they're into. Yeah, yeah it's probably a good idea. All right, now on the scientific support notes here, we've got studies have shown that training to muscle failure can produce comparable, if not superior, muscle hypertrophy, which means growth compared to traditional volume-based training. Um, I'm sure that's the case because you're recruiting more muscle fiber, you're doing more damage quicker. And is, But the caveat is you have to have the recovery, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, but we have plenty of science to support that. And I feel like we need to unpack. Recovery just isn't just not working out. Right. There's... There's work to recovering your muscles. Right. It's not it's not the same as rest. I worked out for a half an hour. I'll be I'll see you at Taco Bell. I'm gonna binge watch an entire season of Frasier. <laughs> hey baby, I hear the blues are calling toss salad. No, no, it's it's, it's, it's an active rest, isn't it? Huh. If you're talking about muscle recovery well. Yeah. And it's also eating properly, it's getting enough water, it's maybe L glutamine, protein, prioritizing sleep. Yeah few steroid injections here and there. A few steroids. <laughs> We're just going to keep weaving that in. <laughs> but, and then reducing the frequency of training allows for adequate recovery, reducing the risk of overtraining syndrome, which has been linked to decreased muscle protein synthesis and increased muscle protein breakdown. 
down. So in other words, some people train so much that they're actually continuing to break down their muscle instead of building it up. Yeah, I have to imagine if if you, I mean, you got, you got to remember that he took steroids, but if you just... Wait, did this we guy, mention that? This guy was huge. So <laughs> even if he didn't take steroids, this would have worked. I mean, if your goal is to look fit and jacked in Mr. University, it would be hard to argue with this guy's approach. Yeah. He's no, I'll show you. And then he's just, look, then takes off his shirt. I don't know what you do. If you, were, yeah. <laughs> you flex your pecs and make him do that dance thing. That's <laughs> yeah. what he does. But I mean, it's it's hard to argue when it when it works. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that he made some balancing statements. You know, it wasn't just do exactly what I do. Yeah. But I feel like some of the other bodybuilders of that time, like Arnold, there was the Arnold method. Yeah. And it was like do exactly this. Yeah. But that's a lot different than this guy's approach. Yeah. Now Arnold's kind of interesting because he understood things about physiology that he couldn't verbalize. Um, in For English instance, or just verbalized? No, no, he just, he, he couldn't articulate why, but he knew certain ways of lifting weights was safer right. and better on the joints. Like the Arnold press, mm-hmm. that rotation clears the shoulder joint completely when you do an overhead press. And for some reason, he just instinctively, intuitively right. knew that. I think that was one of the things I found very interesting about that documentary. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a very intelligent man, yeah. but his grasp of the English language <laughs> made him appear that he wasn't intelligent during his first couple movies. Yeah. But that wasn't the case at all. Especially Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> what is best in life? Hear the lamentation of the women and crush your enemies. <laughs> and then Junior. You know, classic yeah. great movies. <laughs> but I think it was I think it was lost on a lot of us who grew up without having to learn a second language that the the way that he spoke and acted had so much to do with his grasp of the English language and really not a lot to do with his level of intelligence. Right. Yeah. He was he's a very intelligent guy. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. I I got a kick out of the scenes in the documentary where he'd go back to Austria and he'd just feel so comfortable and he could articulate what he's saying. It just must have been such a relief <laughs> to yeah, be, able yeah, to be yeah. like, oh yeah, I don't have to struggle yeah. to get my points across. Yeah. So the entire point of this episode is watch that Arnold documentary. Yeah, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and see that Mike Menser guy struggle. <laughs> Yeah, so to kind of conclude, I think there's a lot we can learn from Mike Menser. I'm not sure it's the right approach for everybody, but but there's certain principles we should carry through to our training. You should be training to some discomfort, to some fatigue, to maybe muscle failure. And if you got perfect form and all that, go for it. If you're not sure, start with a coach. I think a lot uh, of people would have to, I think it's one of the things you'd have to experience to figure out what muscle failure is. Like, we're not talking until it gets hard, right? We're right. talking about, like, we're it's, talking it's like past a, that. Like, you have fought 30 seconds on this one rep, and it's not going to not gonna make it. But that's muscle failure. You should, right. Like, those guys that bend up, their feet fly in the air when they're doing a bench press. Compensate. I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. You know, I will say I have one client in particular that comes to mind. I actually have to hold him back. He's former Air Force and, but he only trains once a week with me and it's probably 38 minutes of active workout during the hour. And that's all he does. And just the amount of muscle gain, especially like in his biceps and stuff has just been insane. And it's, I, I ask him every week, what do you do in between? He's like, oh, this is it. Just when I see you, but he really goes after it every single set. And he's going to absolute muscle failure. Again, I mean, it's hard to argue with results. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he looks great. Yeah. Appears to be. Oh, Again, absolutely. if that's your main goal. I don't think this is about longevity. I don't think this is about no. the best thing to do ever. This Mike Menser approach is about how to get swole. 
Yeah, it's how to put on muscle as quick as possible, basically. So it's an interesting technique. Feel free to experiment it if you've got the base for it. And if not, train with me. And if, if not, learn the base so that you cannot spend six hours a day in the gym. It's all about the base. What percentage, you do a lot of intakes and stuff. What percentage of people do you think it's about muscle gain and or they would might just articulate it different, like, I want to look better? Yeah, I'd probably say probably 20 to 30% of the clients I work with. Okay. Uh, but everybody else is more on the weight loss side uh, of what they want. Uh, and a lot of the people I work with are um, in previous injuries. Uh, CrossFit's injured a lot of them, so I'm not super sure CrossFit's the most sustainable method. It can be done very well. It's just really fun to pick on. But so I'm not against CrossFit, but I get tons of injured CrossFit athletes that, that I end up working with. But so my, my approach has always been about sustainability and longevity, not, not what the Mike Menser's advocating for. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody has different goals. So if you want that kind of Mike Menser look and body, go for it. I'm not going to hold you back. Um, but I think steroids are illegal now. They may cause you to shoot your family. I like Chris Benoit, who was my favorite wrestler. He was my favorite wrestler in the Four, four Horsemen, former hockey player. Do you remember Chris Benoit? Oh, he's my favorite. He's just like Canadian guy, but they ended up, but yeah, shooting his family, murder, suicide. Yeah. So that stuff. Not the trade-off. Yeah. So I don't think the steroids are worth it, but yeah. What did we say the whole purpose is? Oh yeah. Watch that Arnold series. <laughs> Bong bong Netflix. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, go check us out at firewithinnf.com and sign up for Refuel, a weekly email with recipes, videos, and tips to stoke the fire within. Also, you can join the Fire Within community by being added to our Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on social media.